the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the you well, hi, everybody. Well, my favorite time of year. Welcome back to California, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you so much. So the Columbia University newspaper, The Spectator, I should really, uh, I, I should really uh, read to you the opening sentences there. They they reported on my speech, and it, it's it's not even subtle that the reporter didn't like me. <laughs> is, that, is that fair to say? <laughs> oh my God! I spoke for uh, about I would say almost ninety minutes, and then and then I took questions, and. I would say, you know, virtually nothing of what I actually said was was reported. But I want to read to you the opening uh, of the report. College Republicans host conservative commentator Dennis Prager for Israel and morality talk. This was that's the, that's the headline. That's the title of the of the piece. So who wrote it? Cameron Spur. I didn't even look to see that. Conservative author and radio host Dennis Prager, a school of international and public affairs dropout. <laughs> I have to say, I've been called everything. I mean everything. Dropout, that's the first. That's So it's so interesting. In the normal way of putting it, somebody who attends graduate school, for example, and does not stay for a degree, you normally say, uh, Dennis Prager, who attended the School of International Affairs. I mean, isn't that the, 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 what you would normally think? Mm-hmm. Whether I got the degree or not? Uh, or even say, uh, but, you know, left before getting his degree or, or anything. It doesn't, I'm not even, I'm not personally offended. I, I, I just want you to understand how in the first sentence the 
the Columbia University newspaper wanted to belittle me. So it's an interesting thing. You're to, I've, did you ever even hear of a, of a graduate school dropout? It's, it's a term used for high school and college, and not even college so much. Uh, I'm a graduate school dropout. <laughs> it's really precious. <laughs> By the way, just for the record, I, you should all know what I dropped out to, what, I, what it meant to drop out. I, I actually gave my master's thesis uh, orally, and I did not type it up. That is correct. It would have taken a very long time. Ironically, or interestingly, perhaps not ironically, because I, I simply didn't know how to touch type. And in those days, unlike now, when you make an error, you just redo the word in a, in a nanosecond. Uh, in those days, if you made an error while typing, you you had to use some white white-out fluid over the letter, go back, and then retype the letter. And so if you didn't know how to type, uh, touch type as they called it, uh, you really were, uh, you were in trouble. And the, the interesting thing is I was never taught it. Here's an example of where sexism, and it was sexism, I will acknowledge, uh, really benefited women. When I was in high school, I think it was high school, the girls were taught to type, and the boys were not taught to type. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you have that too? Mm, no. Uh, no, but I but I did, and I, it's probably common in, in the, a long time ago. Those lucky girls who learn how to type. I didn't learn anything in the other class. I don't even know what it was. I think it was something to do with health. Maybe that's why I've been healthy. Maybe I should be uh, shouldn't be ungrateful. Anyway, dropout. Spoke to students in the Learner Rune Rune Arledge Cinema on Tuesday in an event titled Israel and Morality, hosted by the Columbia University College Republicans. Prager, a staunchly pro-Israel voice. That's so fascinating. A staunchly pro-Israel voice. That's correct. I am a staunchly pro-Israel voice. I, I assume that the author believes that there are just two sides. There's the staunchly pro-Palestinian and the staunchly pro-Israel. I happen to be in the latter category. I'll talk about that part later. Cons- uh, is, is co-founder of PragerU... Oh, there's a click on that. Did you click on it, Alan? No. I'm curious what comes up. Okay, PragerU. Yeah, the opening page. Think better, live better. Subscribe for free. MIA, Masculinity in America trailer, a film we're going to come out, put out, coming out soon. So here, uh, here the one of the featured videos is Dennis Prager, How to Live a Life of Depth. Now tell me, that is that not radical conservative? Uh, 
Oh, my God. Uh, there's another one from Prager. Uh, let's see. Does America first mean America only? An- another radical idea. On the, on the front page, I presume, let's see. Prager University is responsible solely for the content. That's a separate issue. Where does it say that we're not accredited, Alan? Is it on the front page here? Yeah, I think so. On the very bottom. On the very bottom, let's see. PragerU is not an accredited university, nor do we claim to be. Okay. <laughs> That's so, you should read uh, this, the, this. the rest of it? Yeah. We don't offer degrees, but we do provide educational, entertaining, pro-American videos for every age. V- view counts represent cumulative views from our website and social media channels. Okay, there you go. And then there's a list of featured presenters. I'm sorry? We hide our... our, Yeah, we hide our not being accredited. We're actually proud of not being accredited because we don't have to answer to anybody for offering truth as as we can best perceive it and bring it to people's attention. So let's, uh, let me read more of the, uh, of this article here. Well, okay, I should hear, here we go. Prager is a staunchly pro-Israel. Was co-founder of Prager. You a conservative nonprofit quote that promotes American values through the creative use of educational videos. Unquote. He spoke for roughly an hour, discussing the Israel-Hamas war, anti-Semitism, Judeo-Christian values, and more. His speech was followed by a half-hour Q&A. In a written statement to spectators, CUCR President Finnegan McNinch, sounds like a name from a novel, isn't it? I met Finnegan. He was the first Finnegan I think I had ever met. Finnegan McNinch, that's awesome. Columbia College, 25. That, that means he's a junior. All right, if he's going to graduate in 25, no, he's a sophomore. If you graduate in 24, you're a senior, 25 a junior, a junior. Said the organization decided to host Prager because of his public presence. He has specific expertise on Israel, which he ties in effortlessly into a straightforward presentation of the broader Republican and conservative perspective, McNinch wrote. McNinch wrote that CUCR, that's the Columbia University College Republicans, I presume, right? Yeah. Columbia University College Republicans, experienced, quote, a bit of pushback from anti-Israel students, unquote, but maintained that feedback was, quote, broadly positive. By the way, what they did do is they bought a lot of tickets and didn't show up. This is now, a, uh, I'm learning, a common, it's like being shadow banned. Well, they didn't buy tickets. I mean, not buy. They reserved seats. Yeah. And, and then didn't show up so that, you know, obviously... The group could not uh, fill up the auditorium. Back in a moment. 
There are many good reasons to buy gold and silver, bank failures, digital currency, volatility, emerging market countries trying to topple the dollar as a global reserve currency. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed, Coin and Bullion, my choice for precious metals. If you ask my friend and AmFed owner Nick Grovich to simplify the case for precious metals, he'll tell you when President Roosevelt recalled the gold in circulation and paid people with paper money, they received a $20 bill for a $20 gold piece. Today, the $20 bill won't even fill half of your gas tank. But the gold piece is worth about $2,000, which would you rather own? So let's simplify the reasons to use AmFed coin and bullion. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at AmFed coin and bullion, 800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. you uh, look at the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal or the opinion pages of the Los Angeles Times, you can see the difference between left and right in, in America. Overwhelmingly, the Wall Street Journal opinion pieces have been about the case, the moral case for Israel. And overwhelmingly, the Los Angeles Times pieces have been for the moral case against Israel. Here's a piece in today's Los Angeles Times. As a Gaza teen, I used to dream of college. Now I feel sentenced to death by Israel's bombings. And I always raise the question, could not have somebody, some German young person written this in the 1940s as a Berlin teen as a Leipzig team as a Dresden team I used to dream of college now I feel sentenced to death by American and British bombings now tell me I'm curious if if you lean uh, toward the anti-Israel side why why would you have any objection to that article appearing in 1944 in the in the Los Angeles Times I I would be I usually I know what people with whom I differ will answer I I run through that in my mind before I speak or while I speak what would the opposition say? And then I try to deal with that, and it's part of the reason, if I am effective, why I am effective. I understand, or I, and I anticipate what the answers will be. But I don't know what the answer will be. Tell me if you think it would have been wrong for the Los Angeles Times to feature regularly an article like that as a Dresden or Munich team. I used to dream of college, and now I feel sentenced to death by America's bombings. So whom do you blame for German young people being killed by America's bombs? America or the Nazis? That, that's the question. Whom do you blame for Israel's bombings? Israel 
or Hamas? And the answer at the Los Angeles Times, a truly left-wing rag sheet, is Israel. It wasn't always a rag sheet. It was amazing. I mean, it's, it's so amazing to see the transformation of the Los Angeles Times from a liberal newspaper to a, a vapid left-wing propaganda sheet. I mean, the lack of deep thinking, their editorials reflect it all the time, but their opinion pieces as well. Do you know that I wrote, I've mentioned this, I wrote regularly for the Los Angeles Times opinion page, and uh, they made sure, they even had something called column right, column left. So just so you'll know that this is not some old antipathy to the L.A. Times. In fact, the L.A. Times, when I first came to California, interviewed me when I became the director of a Jewish educational institute, which is why I moved from New York to California when I was 26. And they wrote a a completely positive article. In fact, 20 years later, they wrote a completely positive article about me as a talk show host, Dennis Prager, unlike others, does not yell at listeners and so on, and it's a thoughtful program. It's You could find it. You could dig it up. I mean, the transformation from the, uh, the Los Angeles Times from a liberal paper to a left-wing propaganda sheet is, is really uh, almost overnight. I didn't change, but it did. So that's the that's the only question. I would like to ask the author, Salma Hamad. I would like to ask Salma Hamad. She's a teenager in Gaza who still hopes to apply to British and American universities. With the help of Al-Muntaha Tutoring, an online charity that educates young Arabs in English, she has been documenting her experiences of the war. We plead with Israel, the U.S., and the world, please end the bombardment. Let the children of Gaza dream again. I'm just curious. I'm going to do a search on this piece if there was a word about Hamas. Hamas. Okay, yes, it's mentioned three times. Let's see what it says. Nope. That's Israel-Hamas war. That's about another piece. Okay, the piece itself does not mention Hamas. It would be as if... I read the whole thing. Huh? You read the whole thing? Yeah. doesn't mention Hamas. No. And the Los Angeles Times thinks that this is an important piece to publish. I wonder if... Uh, are there comments on this? Show comments. Does, is there one person who will say, you know, why doesn't she mention Hamas? Does she not know that the only reason for bombings is Hamas? That the only reason? Just like the only reason Germany was bombed were the Nazis? Let's see here. Sort by newest. Usually I do it by most popular. Where are the Palestinian people that should be overthrowing Hamas? I am not an Israel fan. Jews are fine. Israel government, not fine. If If Palestinians really want their state... End the mantra, wipe Israel off the map, and elect a government that truly wants peace. That's right. How's that? And he's not an Israel fan. <laughs> Jews, fine. Israel, government, not. 
Okay. That's fine. I, I have no issues. It said Israel government, not Israel. It's a perfectly legitimate comment. Back in a moment. MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All of the biggest discounts ever. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. First day of Hanukkah and a happy Hanukkah to all celebrating it as I am. Boy, is it appropriate at this time light some light in a dark world. Senator Elizabeth Warren was on CNBC, and who who is the uh, gentleman? Joe Kernan. Joe Kernan? Yeah. This is another precious memento of our time to the future. His question is so appropriate and so ignored. Take it away, Sean McConnell. Learned in colleges, Senator, that allowed them to think that if it's levied, uh, leveled at, at uh, Jewish people, it's okay. The same it's people not- that were marching with Black Lives Matter are now the ones, or some of them, uh, that, that would, you know, go to the mat and, and be out every day marching for that. Are some of the people now saying genocide to the Jews? Where did that? How did that happen on liberal college campuses? Calling for genocide is wrong. Leaders should no, no, make you keep that, saying that. I, well, I understand that, but how did? I, I mean, it came from somewhere. You don't. You don't think the progressive and, left has any culpability in, in in driving us to this point right now, Senator? I th- I think that what has happened is that people feel the pain of the Middle East, and they feel it on both sides very personally. Hmm. I don't believe her. I'll comment on why I don't believe her in a moment. Uh, But first, notice she didn't answer the question. How did it happen that liberal campuses have kids chanting genocide to Jews? Which is what From the River to the Sea is. Uh, Palestine will be free. I mean, wipe out the Jews of Israel is basically that, uh, not drop basically, is the position of Hamas and is the position of Hezbollah, is the position of Iran, you know, Israel is portrayed as this Goliath. Yes, compared to the Palestinians alone, it's a Goliath. Compared to the whole Arab and Muslim world, it's David. Compared to the United Nations, it's David. 
But I'll tell you why I don't believe her. It's because they feel the pain. Really, do they feel the pain of the ten thousand? How many Christians have been? Wanted to look. Please look it up. How many Christians killed uh, in, in Nigeria in, in the last couple of uh, years? It's very selective pain that these people feel. They're really pain for Palestinians. I'm sure. They're they're pained that Israel is winning. They're pained that Israel exists. That's their pain. Over fifty thousand since two thousand and nine. Wow, I didn't realize that. Over fifty thousand since two thousand nine. Vatican News. It's from Vatican News, and that is that is just Nigeria. Killed by Muslims. Boko Haram. Boko Haram, that's right. You know what Boko Haram means? The West is is uh, forbidden. Did you know that? <laughs> Look it up. What does Boko Haram mean? Uh, uh, it, I'm, I'm virtually certain that that's what it means. Yes, it's, it's, it's such a remarkably selected pain. They're... they're The only reason the Palestinians are this gigantic cause on campus is that they're fighting Jews. Western education is forbidden. Yeah, Western education is forbidden. There you go. I was right. Well, Westernization is sacrilege. Right. Westernization is sacrilege is more accurate. Haram, haram. Uh, this, this, yes, they feel the pain. Oh, yes. One eight Prager seven seven six. They feel the pain. They feel the pain of today's Nazis, Hamas, and their overwhelming support among Palestinians. Palestinian terrorists murdered every member of the Israeli Olympic team in the 1972 Olympics in Munich. You remember that? Well, of course they, not. They, they didn't murder every member. Not every member? No. Okay. They, all the members that they found. They mur- They slaughtered the Israeli Olympic team yeah. in, in, where, in, where they slept, where, in their quarters. Maybe there were some who survived. There, maybe they weren't in their quarters then. Not all. Nearly all. Oh, and by the way, the Olympics went on like nothing happened. We'll be back. Hanukkah. There was a revolt against the Greek rule over, over Judea, over Israel. And they wanted, they made it, uh, a capital crime to study the Torah and to practice Judaism. And so the Jews revolted. And th- that revolt is commemorated by Hanukkah, the eight days that the candelabra, that the oil, the little oil that they found miraculously lasted eight days. And so a candle is lit or lighted each day first day the first candle, second day two candles, third day three candles, and so on. By the way, it is not generally true. I never heard of it as a kid growing up that 
kids and family celebrating Hanukkah get a gift every day if they did. <laughs> if that is true, I I do feel woefully neglected by my parents. But I, I do remember. Did you get a Hanukkah gift? You remember your favorite? Do you remember? I remember one Hanukkah gift. I only remember, you know, the funny thing is I remember the disappointment. You remember the disappointment? That it wasn't the better gift? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? You have now heard an explanation for Alan Estrin. Would you say that there was a level of PTSD involved? I'm, I'm still there. You're still dealing with it, yeah, yeah. That is very interesting. <laughs> we got to do that. Were you disappointed in your Christmas or Hanukkah gift as a kid? That is a great subject. We have to do that in one of the coming weeks. <laughs> the happiness hour. <laughs> On the happiness hour, really? That's really a light topic, but it, it, it it's fascinating. I mean, you, you opened the uh, the gates to that. My, I had the opposite because I expected so little. I don't even remember if I ever got a birthday gift. And I'm not saying this at, at all with sadness. My birthday was in the summer. I was always at a summer camp. I don't think I saw my parents for my birth on my birthday after the age of five. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, because I started going to summer camp when I was five, which strikes people today as a form of child abuse. It's, your parents sent you to camp for two months at the age of five? <laughs> it was very common uh, in those days. Maybe it was a good thing, by the way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I didn't cry going. I cried when I went home. <laughs> Uh, oh man, I remember one Hanukkah gift. Literally one and it was it I can't tell you. The excitement. I am lucky, do you know that to this day I can duplicate that excitement in terms of getting something for myself. I can. Uh so I'm lucky. I'm not jaded. But it was electric train set. I got an electric train set. The, the problem with the electric train set as a gift is that it does have a, a limited excitement factor, an LEF. Because unless you can keep building and, you know, gorgeous things, and they are. I mean, some of these elaborate trains are incredible. But I basically had tracks and an engine. And at about the 400th time it has made its round, there is a diminution in excitement. You with me? Yeah. But putting it together and watching the train go around first time so a question from my technical director sean mcconnell he wonders if real train conductors have that problem to which the answer is probably yes 
the first 20 times, there must be some real excitement. Yeah, that's well, that's an interesting question. No, that, seriously, this is worthy of a happiness hour. How do you maintain some level of excitement in your job? Let's do that. See, Sean is lucky. He has me. I mean, let's be honest, okay? I'm not bragging or anything, but I'm not predictable. Um, he doesn't know if I'll actually show up for the show till the last minute. I mean, I, I maintain a level of excitement in, in his life. <laughs> and and then, he, then he has Rick. I, talk about excitement. Just seeing Rick, Sean gets excited. But it is a very interesting question. How do you maintain that in anything that is repetitive? Uh, there are answers, by the way, in my opinion, but uh, it it is something worthy of thinking about. I will say this, though. A, a train set where it's just tracks going in a circle on your dad's basement floor does have a half-life. I, I will acknowledge that. If you can add more train cars, if you can make it more elaborate, but that was not possible in the limited space that we had. Yep, they tried to crush the Jews 2,000 years ago. Pharaoh tried it 3,000 years ago. The Nazis tried it uh, 80 years ago. Hamas and most Palestinians want it today. We return. Stay informed on the 2024 campaign. Text DEBATE to 94878 and become a Salem Insider. Hanukkah, Hukhatov. Hanukkah, Hukhatov means Hanukkah is a good holiday. Sivivon, Sov, Sov, Sov is the, you know, the dreidel, the spinning thing. Okay, let's go to some calls here. Los Angeles, California, and Eric, hello. Uh, yes, is this Eric? Me? This is Eric, you. Oh, yes, yes, Dennis. Oh, my gosh. What a longtime fan and listener. And and uh, I got three things because I don't know how much time I have, so I'll try to be. But they're important. I'll, get, I'll try to get them in. Number one, uh, and, and this is in least order of least importance. Number one, you absolutely must tell us who some of that bumper music is, particularly that Jingle Bells jazz, that that thing's out of sight. You play it every year at this time of year. All right, will do. Watch number is. two. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Uh, so number two, well, actually, I'll just do the two. The second one has to do with the L.A. Times and what you talked about. You, Larry, um, uh, Rush, and uh, Ben Shapiro. I used to be a liberal Democrat 30, 40 years ago, maybe 30 years ago. You all changed me, but the L.A. Times also changed me. Just And you all never persuaded. You just point out the hypocrisy in what they write and what they do. Um, and, and I just paid attention to it over the years. And, you know, it was like 
just the wool came off my eye. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. That's what that's what we hope to do. It's a credit to you, by the way. Anyone who changes their mind, it's a credit to them because it's very hard to do so. All these people are now like the MSN, not MSN, CNBC, man, talking to Elizabeth Warren. How do you explain all these liberal universities? They're really left-wing. I wish they were liberal. All these universities producing these kids chanting for the death of Jews. And she, she didn't answer it. We are making people aware of what is happening. That's why they don't like when PragerU videos are shown in schools. Deep down, they know five-minute video of truth can undo four years of what they, what they teach. Okay, everybody, let me just say this is a time. This is a beautiful. I wish I could have taken the call. Maybe you'll call on the third hour. Steve is a Christian celebrating his first Hanukkah. I have asked that Christians put up a mezuzah on their doorpost. Read my article on it. It's called A Little Box That Can Change America. This is, this is your testing time. And it could change the country and the world. That little box. Happiness Hour coming up. the best time of the year I don't know if there'll be snow but have a cup of cheer have a holly jolly Christmas and when you walk down the street say hello to say hello all you to friends you know oh no friends you know and everyone, everyone you, you meet. meet yeah there you go I do that Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager, the Happiness Hour of the Dennis Prager Show, every Friday since 1999. Holly Jolly Christmas. And a Merry Hanukkah to you. You know, let me say a lament before I get into the Happiness Hour. Uh... I know that there are areas in the country where many houses have Christmas decorations or lights. But in an area where I live, there are almost none. I grew up, it was so ubiquitous. In Brooklyn, New York, I'd say easily ha- half my long block. Between Quentin Road and Avenue R on East 27th Street had lights and it it adds so much to a society so what do you think uh, my producer you think Santa Monica California which is obviously near here do you think there are more Halloween decorations or Christmas you're you're pretty sure it's it's Halloween at least you know even or at least even what do you think Mr. McConnell you say it's a safe bet as well? 
boy, the, the, there are so many. In, I really should write an article of indicators of decline of civilization. That's one of them. Public cursing was another one. The way people dress is another one. They're all, they're all, you know, none of them sound big. Anyway, not going to get into that now. Welcome to the happiness hour. The happy make the world better. The unhappy make it worse. Oh, the happy make it better. The unhappy make it worse. Yeah. Huh? 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 A rare time where the lyrics fit the music. So, sure enough, the topic for today's happiness hour which is not on the heaviest side, but there are heavy aspects to it. I admit that that's okay. Was actually the result of something that arose in the first hour of the show. And it did because of my dear friend, the producer of the Dennis Prager Show, a.k.a. the living martyr, real name, Alan Estrin. And somebody, I don't know how the issue of Christmas gifts and birthday gifts arose, but they did. And I, oh yes, well I know I mentioned, I mentioned, oh yes, that's right. It started with, I don't know where this hilarity at Jewish kids get a gift all eight nights. (laughs) I think it was made up. It wasn't made up by a Jew, I don't think, (laughs) I don't know anybody. I mean, I'm sure they exist. Certainly didn't exist when I was a parent. I'm still a parent, obviously. But, you know, when I had I was raising my kids, if one of my boys had said, you know, you only gave me one gift this year, I expected eight. I would have thought, where the hell did you hear that from? Uh, I got eight gifts. You got eight? Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah. Holy manukas. But, the, but they were. But they were minuscule. Yeah, I mean the first. Yeah, but it's better to get one big one. Uh, I I got a pair of socks. You're kidding me. Something like that. The second day. You know what? It really explains why he's the living martyr. You, there is more explaining of your life coming out on this sub through this subject than ever before. You got a pair of socks. You're not joking, correct? Oh, you never joke, so it's a stupid question. Okay. I'm not being cute. You got a Hanukkah gift of a pair of socks? Yeah. That was day one. Wait, wait. So, look, I I knew your parents. I, I loved them. That's a given. But isn't it more or less parental obligation to clothe their child with out Hanukkah or Christmas? Isn't that sort of like part of the parental deal? <laughs> I give you clothing, you give me, you know, good behavior or something like that. <laughs> I mean, did they give you a sandwich the next day? Did they give you dinner for the second night of Hanukkah? They give like colored pens or something on the second night. Colored pens? Something like so, all right, in light of what you're describing, did you even look forward to getting gifts yeah, from Hanukkah? Yeah. Did you like the socks? I liked the idea of opening the You package. liked the idea of opening the package. Yeah. I, that, that, I, I, I hear you. 
Oh, my God. This, I'm happy I raised this subject. This is truly a crack up. So, the the subject that I wanted to raise, and, and I'm raising for this happiness hour is, a, based on a comment that Alan Estrin made last hour, that he was disappointed one year at what he got. It was made even more dramatic. I have to repeat, he doesn't have a mic. By made more dramatic by the fact that the first night was like a pair of socks. The first night, yes, yes. So hold on, you're so right. I was thinking that if the first night is a pair of socks, only God knows what what the deterioration reached by the eighth night. I mean, did you get? The expectation? Yeah, that, wait, wait, so you expected something better as the days went on? Yeah, that was oh, I thought the highlight would have been the first no, night. No, no. So we oh, it got better. Yeah, I mean, parents, so, so what was the best gift you ever got? You don't remember. All right, but this happiness hour is based on your comment that you were disappointed. Yeah, that, that you asked me, what do, do I remember? What? Yes, and the, I oh, yeah, so I asked you, what do you remember, and... Out of nowhere, I got an answer that I didn't expect. You were disappointed that you remember the one thing you really remember, aside from the socks, is being disappointed. So, what did you receive when you were disappointed? So this is on the eighth night. On the eighth night, the okay, where the 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 ultimate, the ultimate evening, yeah. and you got what? The American Heritage Dictionary. You got the American Heritage Dictionary. Sean looks like you were beaten. He, 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 Sean, now you understand he was a living martyr at the age of 11. So you were about 11, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is very interesting. If my parents gave me the American Heritage Dictionary, I'd have loved it. I have to admit, I read the dictionary. I was not a normal child. We've established that many times. But, okay, so what's interesting and very appropriate for the happiness hour, many aspects of this, it's both a fun subject and a serious subject, because you were the victim of what I write about in my happiness book, Expectations. That's the reason. He expected the eighth night to grant him some really desirable gift, and he gets stuck with a damn dictionary. By the way, just out of curiosity, between, between the socks and the dictionary, which did you prefer? They were on the same level. Yeah, that, that, okay, I understand now. I re- I'm not joking. I really do understand. I don't remember any Hanukkah gift other than, as I mentioned earlier, one year a train set, which just, I couldn't believe that I got such a great gift. So one great lesson here is you were the victim of expectations. The other, uh, the other serious aspect of it is how do you deal, how does one deal with disappointment? By the way, you'll be very rarely disappointed if you expect nothing. 
and I I had very low expectations very early in life. It's one of the reasons I'm I'm a, a happy person virtually all of my life, certainly since the age of 14. So how did you deal with a disappointing gift? And what was it? People will enjoy hearing from you. 1-8-Prager-776-877-243-776. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The happiest Christmas tree, a Christmas day, wait and see. I'll be laughing happily with a ho, 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 hee, hee. Hey everybody, the happy to Sarah on the Dennis Prager Show. Were you ever disappointed with your Christmas or Hanukkah gift when you were a kid? That's the subject. And how did you handle it? And do you agree with me? Expectations are the are a root of unhappiness. You expected a greater gift and you ended up with socks. By the way, my wife uh, I am's me. I got socks for Christmas in the 70s when Argyle socks were all the rage. Well, my wife was the recipient of Argyle socks. Had my parents given me any type of sock for Hanukkah? I would have been bewildered. But he got the he, the living martyr got socks. By the way, there is a theory that uh, this I did here because the in the old country, as they say, Jews didn't give their kids gifts every day for eight days. But the, a theory that I have heard, I have no idea if it's true, but it's it sounds legitimate. Is that a lot of Jewish kids felt bereft? On Christmas. So to compensate, they got eight gifts where the Christian kid got only one. That way you could get 16 socks. Lucky Jewish kid. It's it's very interesting. I have always loved Christmas season, always. And I grew up Orthodox Jew in, in a yeshiva, Jewish religious school, all day, half the day in Hebrew, half the day in English. Went to Orthodox Jewish summer camp. Uh, I, I lived in this sort of cocoon. 
and yet I loved Christmas. In fact, I have mentioned this, and I, I have such a warm memory of it. So I, here, I, here I was in an Orthodox Jewish home. Father wore uh, a yarmulke or, or a Jewish skull cap, kippah, as it's also known, uh, in the house at all times. And so, so did the two boys, my brother and I. And uh, we, every single Christmas Eve, we watched the, the Mass, Christmas Eve Mass from the Vatican. The only time we wouldn't is if Christmas Eve was Friday night because we didn't watch a television on the Sabbath. But otherwise, every single year, and I remember being transfixed by this Christian celebration. We really are born with natures. It's one of the sobering and, and exhilarating, but now it's more sobering. We really are born with natures. My, my, my nature was to be extremely fascinated with those who were not like me. That was very, very deep within me. And I, anyway, give my parents credit. I don't think a lot of Orthodox Jewish homes were sitting around every Christmas Eve watching the Mass from the Vatican. They, they were Orthodox and worldly. My father was in the Navy during World War II, stayed, stayed in until the Korean War. He was in the reserves, but uh, he, uh, but not in the case of World War II. He was on a ship for years, fighting in the Pacific. Well, were you disappointed? And how did you deal with it? I don't ever re- recall being disappointment, disappointed with a gift. I didn't expect much. Probably had you asked me as a, as a kid, let's say under 13 or maybe under 12, what would you most want for a, as a birthday present or, I mean, I mean realistically, you know, not, not a car, but realistically, I probably would have said a box of baseball cards, which amazingly my grandfather would regularly purchase for me, having nothing to do with a holiday or birthday. I thought he was the richest man in the world. He bought me a box of baseball cards. Do you know how much a box was? 20 packs? Sean, take a guess what it was when I was a kid. 20 packs of baseball cards with the included bubble gum, I might add. That's right, $1. It was a nickel a pack. By the way, is there anything you can buy for a nickel today? I'm not joking. Anything. That pair of socks. You know, you should go in the punishment room for that silliness. Okay, everybody. One, one. <laughs> this is precious. Okay, let's see. Simi Valley, California. Kathy, hello. Hi. Hi, Dennis. How Hi. are you? Okay, well. I just want to tell you, I love you. Thank you. Good. Next to my husband. Thank I love him. I appreciate um, it. This is, I, 
I always had the most wonderful Christmas, and we were not a family of wealth uh, by any means. Mom always counted at the kitchen table the amount of money she could afford to pay the bills. Wow. And I remember when I was like, oh, probably nine or ten, going into the closet of my folks to get something or to look for something, a sweater maybe, and I found the Christmas presents. And it makes me want to cry today because I was so upset that I found them. I still believed in my my mom. Oh, you weren't upset by what the gift was. You were upset that (laughs) you saw that it wasn't from Santa. And it, and I didn't tell my mom and dad that I found them. So oh. when I, at Christmas, on Christmas morning, I opened up the gift, and the disappointment was beyond. Did <laughs> did you day, did you I, tell them then? No, no. Did no, you ever no, tell, them? tell them? As an adult, I did. Um, and it was a silly thing. It was something like Well, well by the way, you school. know, I think they'd have a way out. Santa drops the gifts off early, tries to yeah. hide them, and then puts them under the tree. Why wouldn't that work? I don't, because I was so believing in Santa Claus. My mom, at age 12, had to sit me down to let me know there was no Santa. At 12? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I sound like her therapist. <laughs> Back in a moment. Oh, dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, oh, dreidel, I shall play. I have a little dreidel. I'm letting I made everybody it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, oh, dreidel, I shall play. So, it's both a light and heavy subject for the happiness hour. Did you get a gift for Hanukkah or Christmas that was disappointing. So that was interesting. The last caller, she was a a young girl, and she discovered the Christmas gifts in her mother's closet, which blew the Santa story for her. And my Talmudic theorem, well, maybe the parent could have said, look, Santa just brings them early, and then he puts them under the tree Christmas Eve would not fly because he's supposed to come with his reindeer at that time. I know, I get it. By the way, hey, I haven't done my Defend Santa hour this year. Almost every year I have an hour defending homes that give their kids Santa. Well, we won't do that now. Okay, let's see, my friends. Well, here, look at this. Very interesting folks here. San Francisco, California. Tony, hello. Hey, Doug. I think, uh, so I would probably fall into your leftist category sometimes, but, you know, I still like to listen to your show. That's to your your credit. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of on the same topic as your last caller, so... This is a story from my mother because apparently I was too young to remember it. But basically, me and two other friends were in the back seat of the car while she was driving somewhere, and we were debating whether Santa was real or not. How old were and, you? Uh, I think I was probably five, six, 
or maybe four. I, I don't know. Wow, that's yeah. early to have such a debate. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe later because okay. I'm not really good. All at right, that age. no problem. Go on. Yeah. So apparently, you know, and I thought I was a pretty logical kid, and apparently my big argument was, of course, Santa's real because you don't really think our parents would be getting us all these presents, do you? And, oh, that's great. I guess, <laughs> And, uh, that is so funny. Our, yeah, what do you think our cheap parents would give us such <laughs> gifts? <laughs> and I, yeah, so I want to, I want to send my apologies to, to your your helper, living martyr. Um, you could probably get an idea of what kind of presents I got and how I felt about Christmas at the time. I got to tell you, I thank you for the call. <laughs> I have never heard that argument. <laughs> Of course, Santa exists. You think our parents would give us such gifts? <laughs> that is priceless. It's irrefutable. That that is the single best argument for Santa's existence I have ever heard. <laughs> oh, you know, and that is so something a kid would come up with. I, I, an adult would not think of that argument. Oh, that was really, that was worth the hour. That was precious. God bless left of center callers. See that? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see. Westfield, Indiana. David. Hello, David. Hi, Dennis. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. You too, I assume. Thank you. Yes. Right. Um, so uh, I've been writing funny songs, and uh, one of my songs is all about negotiating for the kind of gift that you would like, and it's called I Want a Piranha for Hanukkah. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You wrote a song, I Want a Piranha for Hanukkah? All right. I have a feeling we're going to hear some. Mama, I want a llama for Hanukkah, and I'll build him a pen by our stoop. Mama, I want a llama for Hanukkah, but I don't want to clean up his poop. The bigger, the better, I'll knit you a sweater from wool. I collect every day. Brian, y'all. Mama, you ever disappointed by your Christmas or Hanukkah gift? associated issues. All right, David in Westfield, Indiana, wrote a Hanukkah song when he was a kid. Is that correct? That uh, concerns you're wanting a piranha for Hanukkah? When did you write it? Oh, I I wrote it when I was an adult. But Uh uh, so do you? Do you have it recorded? Can we hear any of it? I do. I can. uh, Yeah. Play you some of it. Yeah, There's absolutely. a music video that goes with it too, but I can. Yeah. I just. I have it on right now. Hold on. Take it away. I'm sure. Hmm. Not coming through clearly. Yeah. Not working. No. No. Not hearing anything. Oh. I had it on the radio and I was blasting it pretty loud oh, into the phone, bad. but I'm sorry. All right, well, give me the lyrics or sing it to me for a moment. Um, (laughs) 
So it's all about negotiating. He starts with, I want a llama for Hanukkah, then I want an iguana for Hanukkah, I want a piranha for Hanukkah, and finally he asks for something, you know, uh, more reasonable. I want a chihuahua for Hanukkah, and the mother finally gives in, and then the final verse is, uh, child-parent relations is tough negotiations, and some say that I don't play fair. But if you want a hamster for Hanukkah, then first ask your mom for a bear. Okay, folks, so now you know why some songs just don't make it. If, if you've if you've Okay, David, I want you to know Sean loved it. But that's because Sean is a is a uh, Semitophile. He just likes Jews. It's one of his idiosyncrasies. Oh, Kanoki, let's see here. Uh, Nevada City, California. Alan, hello. Hello, sir. First, I want to say thank you for the impact that you've had on our lives over the years. Very kind. Thank your, you. You and your entire crew. Good. Um, I can relate to the ladies, the first one you took when I found my gifts, but the most disappointing one was my, my 20th anniversary. My wife didn't kiss me. And it wasn't so much the kiss afterwards, I realized. It was how I felt about it. My wife, we have four kids, 14 grandkids. I am an incredibly happy man. And I felt selfish that I felt that way because my wife has 35 major surgeries. And she's my hero. And um, anyway. That's fascinating. So why didn't she kiss you that Christmas? She wasn't doing well. I think about the time she had gone through her... 20th or 21st, 22nd major surgery, and she just wasn't feeling well. She was bed, she's bedridden most of the time, and uh, absolutely incredible fighter, and it was truly selfish on my part, but it was a major hurdle for me to overcome to being just a more happy man. Like, what are your expectations here? So the rest of the day was about serving her and making her day a little bit better. Did you tell her you were disappointed? No, I didn't. No. So if all, she was, if she heard this me. now, would she be surprised? I think maybe less surprised and more comforted at the depth of our love and our relationship. Is she still bedridden? Pretty much, yeah. We're getting ready for three more spine surgeries over the next year, and uh, and that's not easy anytime, but when you're 70, she's coming up on 76. Yeah, she's almost 10 years older than me. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't be, not that life doesn't have its challenges, but I couldn't be a happier man. And it's through realizing those things that it was expectations. Um, and so I've been able to cut my expectations back by 90% probably, and I live an incredibly full life with my... Well, bless you. Really bless you. Two aspects of that that I, I have emphasized over and over. One is the fewer expectations, the greater your joy in life, the greater your happiness, because then you live constantly pleasantly surprised as opposed to be constantly unpleasantly disappointed. And the other is, a lot of unhappy people think that happy people 
had it all easy, or all had it easy. Both are true. Had it all easy and all had it easy. It's not true. With some exceptions, the relationship between circumstances and happiness is uh, is minimal. Many people have extremely easy and even extraordinarily good circumstances that are miserable. And many people with very great challenges are quite happy. Okay, let's see here. Detroit, Michigan. Todd, hello. <laughs> Hi, Dennis. This is such a funny segment between the socks and the um, my parents with biases stuff. Cracking me up. you got to do this every year. If someone's been disappointed and can look back on it later and crack up at it and have a laugh at it, I think it's fantastic. The people who carry it around and, and torture themselves with it, I feel sorry for them. To be able to look back on it and laugh is, is fantastic. When I was uh, married to my first wife 100 years ago, uh, her nephews, uh, they were little boys, and they had found their Christmas presents in the closet. And these little devils opened them up and played with them. And so <laughs> when, when Christmas Day came around, they got nothing. So I wonder what these boys in, in, you know, as adults now um, how they reflect on that. I hope they can laugh at it because I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, I'm sure they can laugh at it, but it's an interesting question. What lesson is to be drawn from that? And I don't know what it would be. Don't snoop around your parents' closet the week before Christmas. I'm not sure what, uh, what lesson there could be uh, derived. I never thought of that, though. Anyway, that, that earlier explanation is awesome. Of course, there's a Santa Claus. You think you think our parents would spend that much money on us? <laughs> we return momentarily. What was, if you were disappointed in a Christmas or Hanukkah gift, what, what happened? What was it? For Hanukkah, I will pet him and give him my love. I want a piranha for Hanukkah. Upstairs in the tub. We wish you the merriest, the merriest, the merriest you'll cheer. We wish you the happiest, the happiest. Let Dennis be Dennis. Yes, the happiest. We wish you the happiest, the happiest. We do indeed, and a happy Hanukkah as well. It's the first day of Hanukkah. Today's the second night. Jewish days and holidays begin at sunset, not at midnight. So that'll explain the confusion that many might have, including many Jews. Hi there, everybody. Whatever's on your mind, this is the hour. Whatever's on your mind. 1-8 Prager 776, about you, about me, about life, about death. And needless to say, most welcome are fountain pens, audio equipment, photography, classical music, and cigars. I did it. This past week I was broadcasting from New York City. And wouldn't you know it, but 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, 10 minute walk from the studio in New York City is what I think is the largest pen store in the United States. 
So I got up early one day and went there. So here is a an insight many of you will have had and some of you will have not had. The, the usefulness and joy of hobbies is that they, when you're engaged in one of them, that's all you think about. And all difficult issues are then put aside for those moments. That's what a good movie serves to do. It takes you away from your issues, the world's issues. That's what sports do for many people. They're only thinking about the game. Now, of course, you like anything else, you can get addicted, if that's the appropriate word, in that you just rely on that to escape all your issues. And, of course, there are those are innocuous escapes, sports and hobbies. But there are noxious escapes, like drugs and alcohol, gambling, many of the addictions that are that are injurious to humanity are escapes. So there there is good escape. When I was in that store checking out pens and inks, I love checking out inks, I thought of nothing else but pens, which will strike most of you as bizarre because your interest in pens is zero. I understand that. So let me say... A word and then take your calls. One of the things you realize in life is different strokes for different folks. There are people who have interests in things and they're passionate about them and I have zero interest in those things. But I don't think it's weird that they do. In fact, part of me, well, part All of me is happy for them, and part of me envies them. Gee, I wish I could get into that. Like fishing. People who like to fish love to fish. All right, we have someone here who who was very weird in that way, and he does. I was joking because that would have undermined my whole point. I know that. I had a fun time. I, I try to... Zoom in with my uh, older grandson regularly. So, about a year ago, he was he was twelve. We what we did we 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 study the Torah together, the first five books of the Bible. But it, it's very rare that the whole hour or or whatever time it will be is taken up with that. We talk about everything. He actually is, is wants to be a field goal kicker. And he just uh, kicked uh, a 30-yard field goal. I, I saw the uh, the video. It was impressive. So I said to him, I said, let me, let me ask you, what, uh, what was it? What are you, oh yes, what do you, do you think that you're missing anything in your life? Something really important, missing. I, and I was I was asking it just to 
basically start a conversation about his inner life. And he thinks, and he says, yes, a fishing boat. I didn't expect that. However, we have someone who works here who completely adores my grandson at this moment. He relates to it. So when you hear that I'm crazy about fountain pens, your only reaction should be, lucky me? That's all, really. Or, even better, gee, I wonder why. And whenever people see me writing with it at, when I sign their books, for example, at events, as I did, what, what is today? Today's Friday. So Wednesday night, yes, last night I flew back. So Wednesday night I, I did an event with Eric Metaxas, whom I adore, a great Christian writer and Christian broadcaster. And he has this series of dialogues with people where he lives in New York City or on the road, but I went to New York City to do this with him and to speak at Columbia. And so I sign, signing books, people always comment on, uh, wow, that's really beautiful. The pen and the way it comes out, it's so much richer than ballpoint. So anyway, all I'm saying is don't laugh at me for my passion. And let me, let me speak about this for another 20 minutes. Uh, okay, let's go to your calls. Whatever's on your mind, ladies and gentlemen, let's see. Uh, Steve in Santa Clarita, California. Hello. Hi, Dennis. Do you use kosher ink in your fountain pens? Do I use kosher ink in my fountain pens? The reason yeah, I, I The reason I don't is that I never drink it. Okay. Kosher only applies to eating. That's why that's why a, a a religious Jew can have a pig's valve uh if needed for a heart surgery. Oh, cuz when I got my mezuzah they gave me the option of Oh, you mean a kosher mezuzah? Okay, very good. It's a very legitimate question actually. So I have written and broadcast that I want I would like that want. I would I I, I I think it would be a great thing for America, not to mention for its Jews, but just as much for its Christians and other non-Jews. To If everyone put a mezuzah on their doorpost, kosher mezuzah means that it has an actual Torah scroll, parchment written, scribe written verses of the Torah, as opposed to machine printed on a paper. That's all. That's what it means. It doesn't mean edible. Okay. They, uh, I had a rabbi come out and put one on my door. That, you that did. Uh, so, to, are you so. a Jew? Are you a Jew or Christian? I'm Christian. Well, bless your soul, my I'm friend. It's very huh? I oh, I sent you a picture about an hour ago. So yeah. Oh, good, good. Well, bless you. I I really mean that. Bless you. It, it's a it's a well, very major thing you did. It's catching on out here in Santa Clarita. But uh, Good. I wanted to ask you about the menorah. I lit my menorah last night. Was I a day early? No, that was correct. Today, as I okay. explained early, all Jewish days 
and and therefore holidays begin at sunset. They don't okay. begin at midnight. So the first night of Hanukkah was last night. The first day is now, and the second uh, night is tonight. And you have to light it before sunset on the Sabbath. That's right, because you can't light a fire on the Sabbath. It's a rule in, in Exodus, which I explain in my commentary on the book of Exodus, as I have on the other five books of the Torah. Well, they're not out yet. Three are out. Numbers is coming out. The fourth is coming out next year. Okay, Rockford, Illinois. Matthew, hello. Hello. Hi, Dr. Brager. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Thank you for calling. Um, I, you, earlier you were talking about reconciling the viewpoint of people that are protesting for Hamas um, and, and reconciling how we're okay with what happened with uh, the Nazi or German people in Germany during World War II. And then, you know, I'd also say what happened to Japanese people. Right. Hold on with me. I'm going to take your call further. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager, the area you set the agenda, whatever's on your mind. If I don't take your call, please don't be offended. People are too offended too easily. It's not meant to be offensive. It just may not be a subject that I want to cover or I know anything about or I have covered a lot. So it has nothing to do with you, obviously. Okay, Mark in Los Angeles. Hello. Good morning, Dennis. I've been a long-time listener, by the way. Uh, I just want to know, uh, so yesterday you talked about uh, whether there's systemic racism in the U.S. against black people, uh, but at the same time you said we have anti-Semitism that is rampant across the U.S. Now, the statistics say the opposite. That right, Wait, wait. I, I, I didn't say that there's anti-Semitism rampant across the U.S. Uh, the implication uh, No, well, you, then you, you um, forgive me. That you you certainly may have felt that I implied that, but uh, you, I, I can answer you. Let me let me ask you if this answer answers you. Yeah. You you feel obviously you'll have time to respond. Uh, the United States is not an anti-Semitic country, and the United States is not a racist country against blacks. There are anti-Semites in America, and there are racists in America. The country is not anti-Semitic, and the country is not anti-black. Does, does that answer you? That's actually a fair assessment of the situation. Um, I, I, I have one follow-up question, though. Mm-hmm. So recently I went to the Buena Vista uh, Cigar Lounge. I believe that's where I was at. And there was a gentleman there said he was picking up cigars for Dennis Prager. Uh, and it, it's actually a brand that I, I smoke. La Flor de Nicaragua Habano Robusto. Oh, the, the Flor Dominicana uh, Double Ligero. Well, oh, okay. so that's, that's the strong. Not... That's the strongest cigar that I know of. I love it. Okay, so yes. So the question I have is: now I think there are cigars for talking. I think there are cigars for uh, sitting with a nice glass of brandy, and I think there's cigars that are just for talk for thinking. What do you think that one is? I don't have that division among cigars. Uh, I believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion among cigars. <laughs> Glad you like that. You know, th- this was uh, this was a precious call. To his great credit, 
he thought I thought something. I don't think something. I made it clear I don't. He said, okay, I hear you. So let me just repeat. There are anti-Semites in America and there are racists in America. But America is neither racist nor anti-Semitic. The left hates America, the left hates the West, and the left breeds Jew hatred. That I do believe. Not I don't believe. I take that back. I know. And likewise, many of those who came from Muslim countries in the last generation. Not all. Not all Muslims born here over generations. But those who've come here from the Middle East and from Muslim countries like Ilan Omar and uh, Rashida Tlaib, uh, they bring with them Jew hatred, virulent Jew hatred. So those are the two groups. But uh, the average American uh, remains neither racist nor anti-Semitic. Okie dokie, that was an important one. Okay, thank you for calling, Mark. Let's move on here. Okay. Uh, Stephen in Ottawa, Canada. Hello. Hello, Dennis. Hi. Yes, I wanted to ask your opinion about the blessing that's made in the synagogue on uh, Saturday mornings uh, for the government, because uh, here in Canada, I've just been, even before the latest thing is in Gaza, I've been pretty fed up with our government. And I find them pretty uh, deplorable, and I, and I kind of cringe when, when they make the blessing for the government, and a few members are also feeling, starting to feel the same way as well now. I am curious, by the way, I will answer you, but I am curious, sir, you're a Canadian Jew, obviously. So yes. are Canada's Jews as left-wing as America's Jews? Uh, I don't know. Maybe in my circles, some are, some aren't. <laughs> it's, it's, How did the Jewish vote go for Trudeau? Do you know? I have no idea. Yeah, I'd be curious. I'm going to look that up. I am ju- I'm just curious. Uh, I do believe that it is proper uh, to make a prayer for the government in most cases, uh, we we can't distinguish. Well, I I I don't like uh, this. I don't like this government, so I won't. I will drop the prayer. The prayer should be that you know may may you God uh, help lead our leaders to wise decisions and so on. And in that case, you you could easily make that even even for Trudeau, who is as. Uh, truly awful a leader as the Western world has, has produced in my lifetime. The man who admired Castro and who was ruining Canada almost single-handedly. I just read this week on, the, uh, on my show what he has done to the Canadian economy, the least growing economy, I think, of all the Western industrialized nations. But it doesn't matter to him. And, but the, the, to make a prayer for a guy who, who uh, wanted to shut down the bank accounts of truck drivers who wouldn't get, uh, who wouldn't take the vaccine, is I understand why you called. Looking back on when I was a little train of spinning boy.
This is the What's On Your Mind Hour. As you see, we do go through uh, a um, uh, oh, a lot of topics. Peter in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hello, Peter. Hey, Dennis. Um, I don't support Justin Trudeau, but he didn't go after the bank accounts of the truckers because they refused to get vaccinated. He went after them because they shut down an international border in which millions and millions and millions of dollars of trade passes every day. Now, under international law, that's a causes belly. That's a cause for war. He was justified in using the army to clear them if he'd wanted to. So a number of uh, reactions. Number one, is it not relevant why they went on strike? You're asking me? Yes. You're constantly complaining when people shut down highways. You're constantly complaining when people shut down hospitals. You're constantly saying whatever the That is correct. I am. Control. And you're right. You know what? I constantly complain about people killing each other. But there are times when killing is justified. I'm not a nut. I'm not a pacifist. It's justified to what shut the police, what the, what the truckers did. When you believe in a cause. When you believe in it, okay, that's that's okay, fine, fair enough. That's right. I believe in. I believe, for example, that's exactly what a pacifist could have said to me during World War II. Oh, so when you believe in killing, it's okay, Prager. Yes, that's correct. When I believe that if you threaten people that you must take a vaccine that can hurt you, or you lose your job, you can do. Almost anything nonviolent to stop that corruption of government. If that doesn't frighten you, that the government can force you to take a vaccine, you and I have different values, which is fine. And I admire you for calling. In the United States, the Supreme Court ruled that they can't do that. But in Canada, the Supreme Court said they could. Right. And in Germany, the Supreme Court ruled that you could take away Jews' livelihoods. And in the United States, the Supreme Court ruled that a black isn't a human being who has the rights of other human beings in the Dred Scott decision. That is quite a moral argument you're making. The Supreme Court is now the arbiter of morality? The Canadians have their own legal system. 90% of the truckers were vaccinated. 10% of the truckers refused to be vaccinated. That did not give them the right to shut down an international border. Okay, fine. And okay, yes. I, I, all right. First of all, I took your word He's for it. Nazis. Uh, I, re- I remember. Uh, okay, forget the Nazis. I, I, I don't remember the international border. You may well be right. I remember them doing this in Ottawa, the capital of Canada. And uh, let me just. Oh, you, too bad. He's gone. I didn't want him to go away. Just put him on hold, but he went. Uh, So it's okay, then, for the government to shut down your access to your own money. We didn't even get to that part, which is sad that he hung up. I'd like to know what he would say about that. I have total contempt for the people who shut down the Brooklyn Bridge in New York, let's say, because they, uh, they want to make a point about global warming. But I would be 100% opposed to the government blocking their own access to their own money in their own bank accounts. Justin Trudeau 
is a would-be Fidel Castro. If he could be Castro, he would be Castro. And those are some of the examples. It is amazing to me that with all the damage that damn vaccine did to so many people, especially young, with all the damage the damn lockdowns did to a generation of young people, that people could still call this show and defend the damn leaders who did that. Okay, I got it out of my system. And you should have known better, all of you. I did, and I didn't get any message from God. All you needed to do was look at Sweden to know that lockdowns were a farce. An utterly destructive, totalitarian act. And it happened in the nicest places. America, Israel. I had contempt for Israel for shutting down its people during that time. And nearly all Israelis agreed with it. Oh, I'm even-handed, I tell you. It has nothing to do with my support for Israel, which is angelic compared to its neighbors. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not an issue. But I'm just saying, even, even places I, I otherwise admire fell for the lie that experts should make policy. Experts are no better at making policy than non-experts. Experts are usually moral idiots, idiot savants. I know the day I, I learned this. Decades ago, there was an ad in the New York Times, full page, Nobel Prize winners against capital punishment. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, these guys are really experts. Nobel Prize in physics, Nobel Prize in medicine, Nobel Prize in literature, Nobel Prize in economics. These are experts in their areas. And they don't know what the hell they're talking about. It was really immoral to execute Adolf Eichmann? What kind of brain believes that? What kind of heart believes that? That doctor in Connecticut whose daughters and wife were slaughtered and raped, slaughtered and burned alive by these two monsters who entered their home and beat him to a pulp, but he survived. Should read what he said later about the pain that he has that these two are allowed to live in Connecticut. They will live out their lives after what they did. And you're telling me that executing these two monsters would have been immoral? Because you have a Nobel Prize in physics? I should give a damn what you think about capital punishment? Because you studied medicine? You're going to tell me that we should shut down classes for two years? You were so wrong and so destructive, you should give up your position in your field. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.